can open to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be camping out this morning. And we're continuing our series uh, that will last a few more weeks in the book of Ephesians that we're calling Fully Alive. And, And our framing for this whole book is that Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus that he started that he loves to teach them and to encourage them and to sort of call them deeper that they might walk in the fullness and goodness and grace that Jesus Christ has paid for them and that they would settle for no less. And so he starts off by reminding them of who they are. But as you remember, even from last week, if you were here, that's something he continues to do throughout the book. We are, uh, we're jumping into a, a short section of scripture today, just three verses. And I wanted to spend some extra time here and drill down pretty deep because um, I, I sense that this is maybe something, at least in my own life, that I've only skimmed the surface of. I've only skimmed the surface of. And, and I, want to, I want to dive a little bit deeper into what Jesus is inviting us to this morning through his word. And as I was studying this passage, um, uh, something that happened to me last year sort of came back to mind. As you may know, um, Kelly and I moved in June from um, the San Diego area. And when we lived in San Diego, we had passes to a few of the like amusement parks around there, but mostly just the animal ones. So we had the Wild Animal Park and the Zoo Pass. Um, the Wild Animal Park was sort of right down the street from our house. But um, we also one year splurged and got a SeaWorld Pass. Um, and SeaWorld is a lot of fun. The most fun part about SeaWorld is seeing your son's eyes just light up when this uh, huge mammal just jumps out of the water and splashes everywhere. And Kelly and I always had this sort of um, debate that's what you call it in marriage, right? It's not, a, it's not an argument. It's a, and they have this thing called the splash zone. And listen, here's my thought. The splash zone is marked very conservatively because they want to tell you where you're going to get wet. Now, my thought is, hey, I think we can be about halfway down in the splash zone and still not get wet. So um, that was always my plan is I wanted to be as close to the action as possible. And Kelly didn't want to walk around SeaWorld for the rest of the day with two soaking wet kids. And so we always had this like sort of play on where we were going to sit. But we enjoyed that pass for the whole year. And then last January, it came time to re-up. And I decided, you know what, this year we're going to re-up. We're getting the SeaWorld pass again. And dang it, this year we're getting parking so we can go as many times as we want and not feel it at all. It's going to be perfect. Well, around that same time, I started talking to a guy named Dave Carlson a little bit more often on the phone. Um, Dave was the chair of the search team. And so he and I started a little bit more of a constant dialogue. And um, in June, we moved. And we moved without me ever using my brand new year-long SeaWorld Pass. And I think in a almost mocking sense, when I went back last month in December to do a wedding, I did it right on the beach, and it was on the part of the beach where I could see the SeaWorld Tower. And I'm going, I get it, Lord. Whatever you're trying to teach me, I get it. And as I read this passage, I I started to think, you know what? I think a lot of us interact with the Holy Spirit. If we're followers of Jesus, our interaction with the Holy Spirit is similar to my interaction this past year with SeaWorld. We have the pass. We have it at our fingertips. But many of us 
I mean, if we were to go, go around this room and, and just sort of honestly ask the question, do you, do you know the blessing of walking with the Holy Spirit, of, of receiving from the Holy Spirit, a lot of us are going to go, listen, I, I got the past, but I'm just, I, I've never used it. Um, let me illustrate it like this. See, the Bible is going to teach us that every believer has the Holy Spirit that lives inside of them. Oops. And I'm going to do, this illustration has, I have just two packets of Alka-Seltzer here. And if you're far away, you may not be able to see. But upon belief in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. But I think a lot of people, a lot of followers of Christ, unfortunately, we leave that package just unopened. It's, it's true. It's there. It's present, but it's not having any reaction. He is not having any reaction in us. And this morning, I want to teach us what it looks like to not only have the Holy Spirit in us, but to have the Holy Spirit in us in a way that changes us. In In a way that creates a reaction within us. An, an infusion of joy and meaning and purpose and life. This, friends, is a great invitation. It's a great invitation. And, and I would be so sad if we walked through life with the Holy Spirit in us, but not active. If we didn't learn how to listen to His voice and receive from Him and walk with Him and be encouraged by Him, and driven deeper and deeper by Him. And that's where I want us to dive deeply into the Scriptures today. If you have a Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. And this is the way that Paul starts in this section of the book of Ephesians. And he says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch it? It's a, it's a good translation the ESV does, and it says, be filled. It's a, it's a command. Now, If you have been with us since the beginning, you may remember a verse back in the first chapter of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, you can just flip back there, but it's going to be on the screen as well. And let me read this, because this is going to present a little bit of the tension that we're going to enter into. And I think it's going to illustrate also some of the confusion that surrounds the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Because you may or may not have noticed, there is a little bit of debate within Christendom of the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, Some followers of Jesus are very uncomfortable talking about him at all. He's sort of like the crazy uncle that sometimes shows up at Thanksgiving. And you're like, oh no, Billy's here again? Uncle Bill? And then others are so comfortable with him that we attribute things to him that Scripture would go, "I I don't see that anywhere here. And so there's this tension and this misunderstanding that I think plagues many, many, many churches. 
And so Paul has just said, be filled. He commanded us to do it. But in the first chapter, listen to what he says. And in you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed something happened. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So let me invite you into a little tension. Verse chapter 1, Paul says, you have it. You have him. He is, he is in you. He's in you until the day you meet Jesus in glory. He's your guarantee that you one day will meet Jesus. And then in chapter 5, he says and commands, be filled with the Spirit. Now, here's where a lot of the confusion takes place. In Scripture, there's a, there's a difference between the sealing or some, some sort of circles and even some verses will translate that, the baptism of the Spirit the sealing or the baptism of the Spirit that happens upon belief to every believer. And then there's also a filling of the Spirit. Now let me, um, I'm not a huge fan of, of diagrams, but let me just by way to sort of do a bird's eye view and teach what the Scriptures say the difference is between the filling or the sealing of the Spirit, or sorry, the sealing or the baptism of the Spirit on one hand and the filling of the Spirit on the other. Now, since we've already read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 for us. That's going to talk about the baptism of the Spirit. It says this For in one Spirit we were all. How many? All. So he's writing to this church and he says, Hey, with one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. So, let me move forward and unpack a little bit of what we're talking about and the distinction between the filling of the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit happens once. Upon belief, you were sealed for the day of redemption. This filling of the Spirit, on the other hand, as we're commanded to be filled, implication, you may not be filled at some points, happens repeatedly. Um, the baptism of the sealing of the, of the Spirit, as we read back through Scripture, has not, did not happen before Pentecost. However, the filling of the Spirit happened in the Old Testament. Um, Bezalel was filled with the Spirit in order to have the skill to help build the tabernacle. It says it in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 31. There's numerous other occasions. Um, the baptism of the Spirit is true of every single believer. The filling of the Spirit, as implied by Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, is not necessarily true of every believer. He's in you. may just not be activated. The baptism of the Spirit is not always, it can be, it's not always experienced, but the filling of the Spirit is often Experience, and we'll talk about how later on. The baptism of the Spirit or the sealing we talked about until the day of redemption cannot be undone. It's in you. He's in. He is in you. However, the filling of the Spirit can be lost. 
the baptism or filling of the Spirit results in power, or sorry, in position, in position. That we are moved from death to life. We are, we are a new creation in God. We are declared holy, righteous, blameless in His sight. But the filling of the Spirit provides something else for us. It provides power in our lives. So, we have one baptism of the Spirit at salvation, but, but many fillings. <laughs> And I think a lot of times we often concentrate on this left side, wondering if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we may even pray for the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And I think God looks at us and goes, He does. He does. The filling of the Spirit is not so much about whether or not you have Him. The filling of the Spirit is about whether or not He has you. It's about control and submittance and following. And so that's where we're going to dive in today. Because if I were you and, and, and throughout this whole week, this is the question I wrestled with. That's great news. I, I, I want to be filled with the spirit. I, I don't just want to have the spirit inside of me, sealing me. I want the spirit activated in me. I, I, want, I want the power that comes from, from knowing Him, from being filled by Him, from having a relationship with Him. I don't just want Him to live in me. I want Him to have control over me. And, and I want us to unpack today together how we essentially unwrap this wrapper and what Scripture teaches about how we step into this life-giving relationship where the Spirit not only indwells us, but fills us. Because I'm convinced that this is the path to joy. That the Spirit's role in your life is to lead you on the path to see Jesus more clearly, to give your life to Him more fully, and so walk in the joy that He has for you more completely. And I'm convinced if we taste this, if we taste the filling of the Spirit, that there's no way we'll want to go back to simply being indwelt by the Spirit. So let's dive in. What does Paul say? Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Did you catch it? It's a it's a command. It's a, it's, a, it's a command, and what I was struck with in this passage is that it's not a command for some people who have certain giftings. It's a command for everyone, for the, for the whole church. And I think if we're going to be people who are, who are filled with the Spirit, not just indwelt by the Spirit, but filled to the point of overflowing and life bubbling up in us through Him, that we need to be people who live... An expectant life. Um, no more of this, well, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll dwell in me. And he's like, I do. And I pray that you'll fill me. He's like, I will. But, but we pray with expectation. 
We pray with the conviction that God doesn't just want us to skim the surface and He doesn't just want us to get by, but He wants us to be filled to the point of overflowing. It's not something that's for religious elites. Praise be to God. It's something that's for everyone, everybody who is a believer in Jesus. God's design for you is that you would be filled with His Spirit. I love the way that Jesus in Luke chapter 11, and He's always given these sort of subtle jabs at people, which um, you don't really get sometimes when you read through the Scriptures, but I just love it because the Pharisees, He just pokes at them a little bit. And listen to this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And they're probably looking at him going, where's this going? (laughs) If you then who are evil, and they're like, oh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. See, it's not a secret. Jesus is not withholding the filling of the Spirit from us. He's asking us, will you journey with me? Will you walk with me? Will you expect that the Spirit would fill you? Well, so let me ask you this. Are, are, you, are you an expectant person? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you to the point of of overflowing, of of bubbling up with His goodness and His grace and His presence? Are Are you seeking Him? Do you want Him? Or are we just content with knowing we're sealed for the day of redemption? Not that that's a bad thing. It's just not everything He invited us to. It would be stopping short of of all that he has for us. And and this isn't going to happen by accident. Here, I think this is Paul's point. This isn't going to happen by accident. The the wrapper doesn't just all of a sudden fall off. It doesn't happen by accident. We're not going to wake up one morning and go, oh no, filled with that pesky Holy Spirit again. (laughs) Don't know how that happened last night, but all of a sudden I'm just... I'm filled with it, it. He says, expect it. Commands us. Chase after it. Desire it. Long for it. Um, the second way that we live a life that positions ourselves to be filled by the Spirit. Because while this is a, a command in Scripture, a little bit interesting in, um, in, the, in the Greek, in the original language, it's a command. That's a present tense command. So it means continually be filled with the Spirit. But it's also in the passive tense. So it's like, it's this idea of continually allow yourself to be filled with the Spirit. It's not something that you make happen. But it's something that you position yourself to have happen to you. And so Paul writes, continually. And one of the ways that we do that is that we live a life of surrender. We live a life of surrender. This is the question of control. And remember, the filling of the Spirit is not necessarily about whether or not you have 
him. The question is more about whether or not he has you. Whether or not he has us. To be filled with something literally means to have our minds occupied with, almost obsessed with. I started thinking, man, um, last Saturday night, I was filled with the Broncos. And just going, "Mm, how could they do that? What, what, What does it look like to live a life where the Holy Spirit fills us? I, um... I had this friend in, have a friend in California, and he was a realtor. And um, when the market just tanked in 2008, 2009, um, it was a bad time to be um, selling homes. Um, But it was a great time to be buying homes. And so he sort of um, transitioned a little bit and started to go to these home auctions where a house would foreclose forever ago, and they would put it up on auction, and he would bid on these homes and would buy them and fix them up and sell them. Well, um, every so once in a while, the home that he had purchased, and he had the papers too, would be occupied by someone. And that's an awkward conversation to go up and have with somebody, and you take the papers with you and say, "Um, I'm sorry, but I own your home now. And they give them a certain amount of days to sort of get out. Some people would try to stay and he would have to have the authorities come and clear them out and all their stuff. And it was just a really awkward situation. As I picture what Paul writes about, I think some of us in, in our lives, we have, some, we have some other things living in there. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit doesn't fill us because we just haven't gone through and done the clean out. That we just haven't said to some things, hey, you're, you're not welcome here anymore. And how do we surrender to the Spirit? Because that's a, that's a big question. How do we surrender? I mean, because it's not just a passive thing. It's not something that just happens. It's an intentional decision. Are we going to walk with the Spirit? Are we going to seek the filling of the Spirit? Or are we going to be content with a bunch of squatters living in the homes of our lives, robbing us of joy? There's a few things, I think. um, As we look back to the book of Ephesians, the first thing that stands out to me is Paul writing in, in chapter 4, verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Notice he's saying two things. One, the Holy Spirit isn't going anywhere. But your relationship with him will change based on whether or not you're obedient to him. And we surrender. First, we surrender by saying, Jesus, you have all of me. I'm willing to be obedient I'm willing to trust your word that you want to lead us into life and joy. I think a second way is that we surrender to the Holy Spirit when we respond to the Spirit. I mean, how many times if you're maybe in business or work on teams a lot and you make suggestions around that table, hey, I think we should do this. I think we should go this direction. I think we should say this. I think we should communicate this. And your ideas get shot down over and over and over and over. And it's not long before you start going, nah, I don't have any more ideas. 
See, the way that we are filled with the Spirit is when we're responding to Him. Where, where, we, where we listen and where we obey and where we stay in step. I love the way that Paul writes this in the book of Galatians. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. It's this picture of, of a dance. And it's not too fun to dance with somebody who's not dancing along. And I wonder if for some of us, he's going, would you just pick up your feet? Like, I'll lead. You just pick up your feet. Come on, you can do it. I love the way that Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great preacher, and he wrote a, a phenomenal commentary on these few verses. And he writes this. It is the Holy Spirit who prompts you, who leads you, who creates desires within you. You suddenly find yourself desiring to read the Word of God. The Spirit is at work. He suddenly will stimulate perhaps you to perhaps prayer or meditation. He will tell you to leave something and do something. It is all the Spirit. Any urge or voice that says, love this person, watch your tongue, be generous, humble yourself and listen to this person, trust God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You know those promptings rarely come like a clap of thunder. They're usually a still, small voice like Samuel heard on bed, Elijah in a cave. You have to listen. You carve out time to say, Holy Spirit, search me, know me. I am am here to listen to you. Is, Is your life surrendered? Now I'm not saying I'm not asking you, have you said the prayer? Have you have you sort of signed the card? Have you professed faith? That's not what I'm asking. This is different. This is very different. See, the indwelling happens when you profess faith in Jesus. But the filling happens as we yield and as we surrender and as we say to God, you have my life. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do, I am yours. And I'm trusting that your spirit that lives inside of me is leading me on the path of joy and on the path of life. And it's going to be better than I could have ever dreamed it on my own. You have me. And friends, here's the deal. You think of the word surrender and you think giving up and that's not it. It's not giving up. It's giving over. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. And ironically, When you surrender, when you say to him, you have my life, I am yielded to you. That's when your life finds power. It's not in holding on. It's in giving over and saying, Spirit, lead me. I love the way that Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where he says that your grace is sufficient for me, Lord. For your power is is made perfect in my weakness. There is great power and life and surrender and being filled with the Spirit. I mean, you read through the book of Acts, there are men who do amazing things because they say to the Holy Spirit, you have me. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to say? 
we follow you. Surrender. It's a life that surrendered to Jesus. A life that's expectant that he fills. And a life that is saturated by his word. You want, to be, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and ushered into fullness of joy better than you could ever possibly imagine? Get to know Him through the Word of God. I'm convinced that one of our greatest regrets at the end of our life will be if we've neglected the Word that had power for us. I love the way that Paul says this in a, in a parallel passage in the book of Colossians where he says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then listen to the way this is so similar to our passage in Ephesians. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. He just simply replaced one word, one idea. See, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it's be filled with the Spirit. And here it's let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it, let it get in you in a way that grips your soul, not just skimming the surface, but really starting to become a piece of who you are. It means that we not only read Scripture, but we let Scripture read us. So we don't just go at it to study and to learn, but we go at it to be changed. He said that's the life that's positioned to be filled. The life that's saturated in Scripture. Who who knows Jesus through His Word and the Holy Spirit just makes it come alive. Does that describe you? Does that describe us? In the rest of this passage, Paul starts answering a question that some of you may have. Well, well, how do I know? Right? I mean, how do we know? There's a lot of different markers that some denominations and some people will say, here's how you know if you're filled with the Spirit. Fill in the blank. Well, Paul has two lists in Scripture. One is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that come out of you as the Spirit indwells you and grips your heart. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Gentleness, thank you. I knew I missed at least one. The second one is here. Listen to what he says. How do we know? It's a great question. Glad you asked that. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs. Did you catch it? See, when we're filled with the Spirit, the way that we interact with each other changes. The way that we interact with each other changes. Our joy overflows. Here's the way that that I'm going to say it for if you want to follow along, that's fine. Our joy overflows into the lives of those around us. He says, when you gather together and when you're around other believers and when you're filled with the Spirit, you address one another differently. Now, does it mean that we channel our inner Les Miserables and I dreamed a dream of... No, no. Please, no. 
We're not going to break out into a musical. We're not going to sing everything that we say. His point is the way that you interact with each other changes. And what we do in corporate, corporate worship, as Aaron mentioned a little bit earlier, is there's a power that happens. There's something that happens in our souls as we gather together and sing about the redemption that Jesus has offered us all. And we get to remind each other of it. When we get to sing songs like God is able... And we're reminded, you know what? I'm with a few hundred other people that really believe that. That there's an encouragement that happens in us. Maybe it's, maybe it's in, in a word that God gives you for someone else. A piece of encouragement. Hey, as I was, as I was reading scripture, I, I thought of you, and I think the Holy Spirit just wants you to hear this truth. You are a son or daughter of the King. It may mean that, that we point out blind spots for each other. You, you know, the, the difficult conversations like, hey, I think you're being robbed of life because of fill in the blank. The way that we change, or the way that we interact with each other changes. We start fighting for each other's joy. Whether it's in singing, or whether it's in talking, we ruthlessly point each other to Jesus because he's better than anything else. Is that what we look like on a Sunday morning? Or throughout the week? It doesn't need to be Sunday morning. Are you willing to fight for the joy of your fellow brothers and sisters? Hey, Paul says one of the marks of being filled with the Spirit, the way you interact with each other changes. He goes on. He goes on and he says, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I love this because it's not something that you just decide to do. I mean, you don't set your alarm and go, time to make some melody in my heart to the Lord. (laughs) Check that off my to-do list today. All right, let's go to work now. I mean, it's it's not something that you that you plan to do, it's something that happens in you. As the Holy Spirit fills you, you're reminded of how good Jesus is. You're reminded of the goodness and the grace that he offered you in spite of you. You're reminded that you were dead and that he made you alive. You're reminded that you were an orphan and he adopted you as a son or daughter. You're, you're reminded that you stood condemned and he washed you with his blood. You're reminded that you were guilty and he made you holy. The Holy Spirit reminds you of every good thing that you have in Jesus. And as he does it, your heart explodes. And you just say, thank you, Lord. It's a heart that's captivated, a heart that's soaking in the goodness and the grace of the gospel. Being filled with the Spirit is understanding who you are in Jesus because the Holy Spirit makes it alive to you. We know we're filled with the Spirit when our hearts are captivated by the goodness and the grace of Jesus. Do you know that one of the Holy Spirit's favorite things to do in your life is point out Jesus? I think he just gets this kick out of it. But by just as you're going around in your everyday life where he just points to Jesus and goes, hey, remember you were dead and now you're alive? Isn't that awesome? 
Remember how you were orphaned and he made you a son? Isn't that, isn't that great? I love the way that Jesus puts it in John chapter 15. He says, when the helper, referring to the spirit, comes, whom I will send you from heaven, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And not just evangelistically witness, but he will witness to the believers in saying, it's true. It's for you. The book of Romans says that the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says that the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into your hearts and just blows it up. So you may even just find yourself singing. Just randomly. Good you are, Lord. And finally, look at the way that Paul writes it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, In giving thanks always. And that's, that's difficult. Giving thanks always in every situation. Don't you wish he didn't describe it so completely? Because, I mean, it's almost as though he intends to leave nothing out. I mean, he said it twice, giving thanks always in every situation, in case we missed it the first time. And hey, one of the markers of the ways that we know that we're filled with the Spirit, and maybe the most difficult litmus test of them all, is whether we have gratitude in every situation. See, it doesn't take the Holy Spirit filling you to have gratitude when things are going great. That's normal. It does take the Holy Spirit filling you to in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trials, in the midst of pain, still see that Jesus is good. And that in the midst of it all, he's somehow in control, even though it hurts and even though you'd rather not go there, the Holy Spirit sets an anchor for your soul around the foot of the cross, reminding you that no matter what you go through, he loves you and he's for you and he's fighting on your behalf. And so, whatever life brings us, if we're filled with the Spirit, we can say, Lord, thank you. Our lives are yours. Do with them whatever you please. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my whole life unwrapped or wrapped up, I guess. I don't want to live my life with the Holy Spirit living inside of me, unactivated how sad that would be. How sad it would be to miss out on the joy that he has for us. How sad it would be to miss out on the purpose that he has for us. How sad it would be to miss out on the constant communion, intimate communion with the God of the universe that he is inviting us to, friends. I pray that we would be people who expect a filling. That we would be people who surrender to the spirit inside of us. We would be people who not only expect it, not only surrender to it, but that we would be the type of people who saturate ourselves in his word, knowing that he is good. May we 
not stop short. I don't, I don't want to have that pass and go my whole life and not use it. And I pray, my prayer for you this whole week has been, Lord, let us taste it. Let us taste being filled with the Spirit that may we, we may never want to go back. That we may never want to go back. Haunt us with it a little bit. Jesus, 